0: We're picking up part two of what I am calling it had to be Shavuot. Why did it have to be Shavuot? Why did the book of Acts or why did Pentecost take place on Shavuot? Anyone who does not know what Shavuot is, Shavuot is the Jewish or the festival in Leviticus 23. That is the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. It's a harvest festival and I'll tell you just a little bit about it but if you don't want if you don't know what I'm talking about with Shavuot you need to go back to iTunes Ami, and listen to last week's message and understand why Pentecost which happened a thousand years later had to happen on Shavuot now this this is what we discussed last week briefly Why did it happen on Shavuot? Why did it have to happen? It had to be because it was a harvest festival. That's number one. Yeshua talks to us about the harvest is rich, the workers are few. We also talked about atzeret. That's another rabbinic name for the festival of Shavuot. And that it is the conclusion of something and the beginning of something else. That will make sense when you listen to the teaching. And last, we talked about tongues. We talked about God using this Shavuot as an undoing of the dispersion of language and how on Shavuot, and we connected that to the Torah, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. That doesn't make a lot of sense because it's not supposed to make a lot of sense. It's supposed to inspire you to go back and listen to the last message. So those are three that it had to be Shavuot, but now we get to number five no four are you awake hello four comes after three hello here we go this is the showstopper number four the most obvious and most powerful though i must say that those other three that we talked about are pretty awesome but why was this happening on the same day as the giving of the torah The second Sinai, so to speak. Despite the efforts of many in different circles with various attempts to unhitch the New Testament from the Old Testament, to separate the New Covenant from the Old Covenant. By the way, you can't separate the New Covenant from the Old Covenant. Because covenants are consistent. And the Old Covenant, if that's what we want to call the Tanakh, is where we learn about the new covenant. And we'll talk a little bit more about that today because it's important. But despite the efforts of saying Acts and the Gospels and everything is completely separated from the Torah and from the Old Testament, that is absolutely not true. And there are very few, there there are few more problematic happenings To try to make that case, than what happened on this Shavuot? Why? This is a direct and simply indisputable reaffirmation of Mount Sinai. Luke records it. That's fine. But God caused it to happen. God chose the day. Why is it important for him to connect these events in such a strong way? Because God is a covenant keeper. That's how he describes himself. This is a matter of covenants. Shavuot, Sinai, Shavuot, Jerusalem, Pentecost, connection. It's a matter of covenants. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says this. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God the faithful God who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. God is a covenant God. Is anyone surprised by this? Has anyone heard this before? Yes, of course you have. He is a covenant keeper and he would ask, would prefer, would like it if we also were covenant keepers. How are we doing in that? Well, when we disregard Torah, we're not doing so good. He would like us to live by the instructions that He gave us. He made a covenant with us. And He will go to great lengths to show us how He would like us to live that out and how faithful He is. That He is the God of how many chances? At least two. He's the God of second chances, third, fiftieth, a thousandth, a million chances. I'm on like chance 1,685,000 with God. That's how many chances I get through the grace of our Father. He is a God of second chances. He is faithful and forgiving and absolutely and utterly for us by covenant, And there are some obvious things. These are the obvious connectors in Shavuot Sinai, Shavuot Jerusalem. That's what we're calling giving of the Torah, giving of the Spirit. And actually, here's the the thing. These, These connectors are so obvious that anyone can see them as long as they keep the Torah as a relevant source of reference. But here's the problem. If we were willing to study the Bible and we not afraid of extra biblical sources like Midrash and other rabbinic writings, these things would be very obvious. But people who say th- like the sola scriptura attitude that if it ain't in the Bible, it, it, it don't matter none. Well, a lot of things outside the Bible explain what is in the Bible. It doesn't mean they're on the level of Torah or that they're on the level of scripture, but despite protest from Protestants and Catholic uh, Catholic uh, aversion to the idea that extra biblical sources are valuable, the crowd in Jerusalem on the day that the Spirit was given was not clueless. The crowd in Jerusalem absolutely knew that there was a very strong connection of what was happening that day and what they knew from history had happened on Mount Sinai. Luke knew it. And by the events and the details he records, his intention was to make sure that everyone could see these connections. And oh, how I wish that was the case, Luke but they've kind of been lost. So what are these connections? These are the obvious things that you've heard in every Messianic rabbi's message about Shavuot. When every rabbi is obligated to give a message on Shavuot and it's going to be how it's connected to Torah. So what are those connectors? Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be Tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So what do we have? Signs and wonders. We have sounds, smoke, fire, rushing winds, and we have tongues. Does this sound familiar to you? If you've read Exodus, it should sound familiar to you. Exodus 19, Exodus 20, but in Exodus 20, 18, I want to tell you about something. There is a text there that says this, the New Living Translation translates this, when the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, okay, we are back at, we're back now at Mount Sinai, we're in Exodus 20, and this, this version of the Bible, this translation says, when the people heard The thunder and the loud blast, okay? The New American Standard says this. All the people perceived the thunder and the lightning. So New Living says they heard the thunder. New American Standard says they perceived the thunder. The NIV kind of gets it right and says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning, how do you see thunder? There was an amazing electrical storm yesterday. I saw lightning. I did not see any thunder. How do you do it? You don't. Because that's not literally what the text is saying. The text says in the Torah, V'chol roim et hakolot. The people saw the voices and the torches. They saw the voices and the torches. Not they heard the thunder. That's the, that's the Western and modern way of trying to make sense of something that really doesn't make sense. Saw the voices. Heard the thunder. That I can understand, right? I can understand heard the thunder. But they, they saw the voices. How do you do that? That doesn't make sense to me either. Well, it makes sense to Judaism. And these connections, these interpretations, they're midrashic. Okay? And that's okay. Because that's how Luke sees it as well. Luke is, is relating the Acts 2 story midrashically. He uses words like, like like he says like tongues like fire and he says like the sound of a sh- of the like a sound of a rushing wind he's he's comparing these things but the talmud shabbat in shabbat 88b says this it explains that god's voice was like fire that the torches That the torches and the the voice was like fire and like a hammer when it shatters a rock was was what God's voice was doing on Mount Sinai. Where do they get this? They made this up. Darn Jews making up things. Rabbi Ishmael's disciples taught this meaning. Just as a hammer is divided into many sparks when it strikes a rock, so to every word that went forth from the Holy One, blessed be He. He says it split up into 70 tongues and we talked about that last week. But they're getting this from Jeremiah 23, 29. This is coming from the Word of God. Jeremiah says, is, he's talking, God is saying, is not my word like fire? Declares the Lord like a hammer that shatters a rock. So they're taking this Midrashic connection and saying, here's what's happening. God's voice was like fire coming down. And as his voice came down, it split and spread out. And we talked about that last week and we'll say it right here. What did it split out into? That's what Rabbi Yishmael's disciples taught, that it split up into 70 tongues So God's voice was seen in fire and it came down and it smashed the rock and it went out over all the world in 70 tongues. What is significant about 70 tongues? How many nations are there according to Genesis 10? 70 nations. 70 is the number of the nations. So what is being said here is that God's word came out so that all the nations, this is the Midrash, All the nations would hear, and every nation did hear the voice in its own tongue. This is not Shavuot, Jerusalem. We're talking about Shavuot at Mount Sinai, the giving of the Torah. The voice came down. It split. It went out over all the world. And the 70 nations heard the voice of God in their own language. Does that sound familiar? If you go forward to Jerusalem and talk about people hearing things in their own language, tongues and fire, it should sound familiar. Right? Every nation heard the voice in its own tongue and was, and was amazed, is one translation, which literally means, and their souls departed. The nations heard God's voice and fire, and they heard and they understood the Torah, and they were terrified. Their, their souls departed. But Israel... Heard. And they heard the voice and they were not hurt. And that's why Israel was there standing at Sinai received the Torah. So the nations heard and did not obey. Israel heard, and what did Israel say? Well, the Torah tells us what Israel said. all that you have said we will do is that what happened did Israel take all that God said and do it hold on to that so beyond these symbols and these connections and the giving of the Torah like I've already said Luke is using this very similar language so it's not hard to connect these these are the easy things These are the easy connectors, like a rushing, like a mighty rushing wind. I forgot to say there was a shofar at Sinai and what happened to it? It grew louder and louder and louder and louder. What makes the shofar sound (sighs) like a mighty rushing wind? Luke is describing what's happening in Jerusalem. And there's fire and there's tongues and this, this, um, communicating about the word like this hammer and all these people from all these nations are hearing it and they hear and understand and that's easy. Those connections are easy. There's something cooler, something more important and something that if you don't have the Sinai connection, you will not see it. And so many people don't see it. It had to be Shavuot. The truth is Israel did not do all that God said. Here's how this story goes. In Exodus 19.5, leading up to the giving of the Torah on Shavuot, God says this. Remember what I told you God was in the beginning? He is a covenant keeper. This is about covenants. This is about His part and our part. And here it says, 19.5, If you will obey Me faithfully and keep My covenant... You shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples. Indeed, all the earth is mine. And in 19.8, here is the famous response of Israel in Exodus 19.8. Got it? All that you've said, we'll do it. All that the Lord had spoken, we will do. And Moses brought back the people's words to God. God said, will you do it? They said yes, and Moses took it up, and we've got a deal. We're in covenant. We got it. Here we go, and Israel becomes a treasured possession, a segulot, chosen people, and it's all good from there, right? It was all good from there for 40 days. And then the worst of sins took place. They didn't like They didn't miss a Shabbat. They didn't have a BLT. They created a golden calf and bowed down and served an idolatrous replacement for God. So to say that they didn't do it is an understatement, right? We missed it. The deal, God's part, our part, we will do it. No, we won't. We'll bow down and worship a golden calf. And what happened? 3,000 people died, more died, but 3,000, 3,000 people after the sin of the golden calf. Remember the Levites, they went through and killed the idolaters. 3,000 people died, but I want to jump back to that hearing, that, that seeing the voices thing real quick in Exodus 20, because here's what I want you to get. There's a 15th century rabbi, his name is Ovadia Binyako Sforno. You'll know him as Sforno, S-F-O-R-N-O, Sforno. He was a physician, he was a commentator, he was a genius, he was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful scholar of the Bible. But the characteristic of Sforno's interpretation of Bible, of Torah, of his exegetical works is that he was a respecter of the literal meaning of texts. So, all that we're talking about here about Midrash and, and going out in other languages, Sforno was less likely to, to go that route. He much preferred the literal interpretation of a text. So, what does he have to say? What does Sforno have to say about this? Seeing the voices. Here's what he says. The word as seeing is to be understood as like the same word in Kohelet, in Ecclesiastes 1. And it says, and my heart saw, and my heart saw. And he asks, how, how can the heart see? Just as the heart cannot see, so people cannot see sounds. The meaning is that they understood the meaning of these sounds. They saw with their heart. They understood what God was saying. They internalized it. They knew what was happening. They perceived what was happening before them. And they said, yes, yes, God, we will do it. All that you've said, all that we've seen, our hearts can see and perceive and we, re- we receive And we embrace this. So that's what they said with their hearts. But what they did with their hearts demonstrated a different way of life. That was the golden calf. So Sforno's literal interpretation is valuable here. Why? Because here we are at Shavuot in Jerusalem now. That happened then. Now we are back at a second Sinai In Jerusalem on Shavuot. Peter and all the boys are there. Everybody's in from the nations. And all of a sudden, all that stuff that we read in Acts 2 breaks out. And it's crazy, right? But it's still about covenant. It's about God's faithfulness. A new covenant. A repeat of sorts. But with a renewed power. So... After seeing those events at Shavuot Sinai and seeing these events in Shavuot Jerusalem, Pentecost, I love this. Remembering Sforno's words about seeing with their heart and internalizing and saying yes. Peter says his whole thing. He explains the gospel. He says, this is what's happening right here before you. And the text in Acts 2.37 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. I love that. Why do I love that? Thank you, Sforno. They perceived and they understood. And they said to Peter and the rest of the emissaries, Fellow brethren, what shall we do? They were cut to their heart. In other words... They perceived in their heart what was happening and the opportunity that was before them. And they asked, what can we do? How can we come back? God is clearly drawing us back now. We had this at Sinai. We have this. He's drawing us back. I perceive it in my heart. And Peter says, repent and be immersed. Every one of you in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach for the forgiveness of your sins all the way back to the golden calf up to now. Repent and be immersed and you will receive the gift of the Ruach HaKodesh. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. You now, my friends at Pentecost in Jerusalem, you have an advantage now that they did not have. God is now offering you the gift of the Ruach HaKodesh. And what you see and perceive in your heart is real. This is the second Sinai. This is the reconnection. What you couldn't do then, you can do now. Because He's giving you the Ruach HaKodesh. By the power of Yeshua, by belief in Yeshua, forgiveness, and sin, forgiveness of your sins, a restoration, an undoing, a redemption, a regiving, And the connection, the covenant is reformed. And what is the covenant? It is the new covenant. And what is the New Covenant? The New Covenant is simply and solely about Torah. It had to be Shavuot. And, though the nations are not present in this story yet, these are all Jews, just like at Mount Sinai. Though the nations are not present yet, just a few chapters later. When they heard those voices at Sinai, when they heard God's voice, and they said, Nah, don't need it. We'll just keep eating blood, fornicating, and, you know, sacrificing our children. We don't need any of that. The nations didn't hear. But now, at the second Sinai, at the regathering, at the reconnection of the new covenant that's happening here, they're all going to come in. And they're going to do what? They're going to accept Torah. And we read, those, we read those scriptures last week from the New Covenant. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Jeremiah 31. Exodus, uh, Ezekiel 36. A new heart I will give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put My Spirit within you and cause you to do what? Walk in My statutes and you will keep My judgments and do them. So Peter sees it. Peter sees it. He sees the second Sinai. He sees that all the world is now going to be included in the new covenant. And that's why he quotes this Joel Scripture that we've already talked about. We're not going back to it. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't do that Torah. This wasn't about that for Him. Him giving the Ruach this Holy Spirit, it didn't have anything to do with Torah. For Yeshua, it had everything to do with Torah. John 14, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. If all this I have spoken while well, still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. What did Yeshua say to you? What did He teach you? He taught you about the kingdom and He taught you about how to live by the Spirit of God through the Torah. What will the Spirit do but guide us in Torah? For Sinai to be fully realized, to to undo what happened then, we needed the Ruach HaKodesh and God gives it and we perceive it in our heart. I love that. And it had to be Shavuot. There are so many people who constantly say, I hear them all the time why they ended up in a messianic synagogue, why they're interested in reading a First Fruits of Zion resource or something. There's so many people who say, I was reading my Bible and there was something missing, or I looked around and I just realized there had to be more, and and this and that. Whether it's Shabbat, a biblical diet, the feast, mitzvot, Torah study, Jewish Messiah who loved Torah, it's all in you because that day it happened. You're reconnected to Sinai. You are in covenant. It's always been there for you. You want to honor God. You want to honor Messiah. And you want to honor His Torah. It started at Sinai. It started at Sinai for God's people. And now all of us, thanks to that Shavuot, thanks to the gift of Messiah, salvation and power through the Ruach HaKodesh, It's for everyone, Peter says, for those who are far off. That is the new covenant, and we're coming back to it. God is a covenant keeper, and so, my friends, it should be with us. So, conclusion. The harvest is rich. The end of the Passover story, the restoration of Babel, those are all the things we talked about previously, and today we say the reconnection of the second Sinai. These teachings were about the Shavuot stuff. We're still nowhere close to finishing chapter two because we haven't even gotten into the most fun and controversial part, which is tongues. So that's where we're going to head. But my purpose in the last couple of weeks is just simply to give you some food for thought, some things to chew on about the awesomeness of how God connects things in his calendar and in his word for our good because he loves us and he is for us and he wants you to see it and live it. B'shem Yeshua by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. Shabbat Shalom. Let's stand up and conclude our service.